Sharon P here with Militant Grind. We're now on our third episode, and I have a very special guest who's a good friend of mine. We've been solid for probably 10 plus years now. He came all the way from New York City. I have here wellness coach, renaissance man, Nike run coach, CEO fit for us. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure if y'all know this, but this man trained Mbaku. Mbaku and Black Panther. And I seen that. I was like, hey, bro, kudos. You are the man. Percy Duck. Oh, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Man, no problem, bro. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you made it. You know what I'm saying? This is a, a great thing, man. So tell us more about what you do. I know you do a lot of different things, but tell us more about like what your passion is behind your brand, Fit for Us. Yeah, I, uh, it started off as a group chat. It was just a, like a, a bunch of my friends and contacts and folks I knew in the, in the wellness industry. And uh, we got featured on the cover of Condé uh, Nast's uh, Self Magazine. And uh, from there, it was a lot of eyeballs on us, but we were very much kind of marketed or positioned as this like call to action, Black Lives Matter adjacent like group uh, within like fitness and wellness. And um, it was cool. But I think I always recognize that in order to have like real impact in terms of the health disparities that disproportionately impact like black and brown folks, that it had to be more than just a activism like or call to action like organization. Mm -hmm. I felt like it had to be, it had to have a level of like community programming. Um, it had to have a component of it that really leaned into not just marketing and language, but really like storytelling around the experiences of our community and our culture within like health and wellness. And uh, yeah, it evolved into a creative agency. Uh, we started offering just community programming out of coffee shops, out of book clubs or bookstores, out of, you know, Soho houses even, and uh, anywhere we can kind of like get space. And that programming really allowed us to create uh, really impactful content on behalf of um, our agency's clients. When I say clients, I mean like other brands. Mm -hmm. uh, so telling stories on behalf of brands and then creating experiences for the community, we kind of evolved and took that programming um, and all those those content strategies for our partners and evolved into uh, creating our own global like wellness uh, festival called For Us Festival. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, Fit For Us is really just an opportunity to center and celebrate the experiences uh, of black folks um, across the diaspora as it pertains to wellness. And what made you want to stick with the niche, 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 whatever, Yeah, of sticking with only like black and brown people? I mean, you know, I, I've always felt a bit conflicted as, as a trainer, right? Recognizing that my services and, and the products that I offer to people and within my industry are supposed to make people healthier. Simultaneously, the number one killer of black bodies in this country is heart disease. Mm. Heart disease, the cure for it is exercise. I don't care what nobody says, being able to move your body for most people is more accessible than going to get kale or right. being vegan, right? So it's like, or eating a healthy diet, right? Mm. So it's like, if my industry is, you know, a billion dollar industry domestically and a trillion dollar industry globally, yet and still the folks who are, being marketed to and being communicated to uh, by the industry who look like me are subsequently like an afterthought 
Like that's a problem. Like ethically and morally for me, it was always like a, a bit of a conflict, right? Like mm-hmm. I go into this nice boutique gym in the West Village or in, you know, Soho or in these really affluent neighborhoods and then work with a bunch of people. But then when I go home, my sister, my brother, my dad, mm-hmm. you know, all living with conditions that my services are supposed to support. Right. I go to my neighborhood, I look around and like the gyms that we have access to, yeah, folks is in there, but it's overcrowded. It's hard to get access to a dumbbell. It's hard to get a, a squat rack. You really got to have a level of like self-discipline. And I would argue that like just knowing a lot of people, a lot of clients, a lot of people in general, within my industry, it's like, it's very predatory in how it communicates on markets, its services and products to people. It's like COVID really showed me that, uh, you know, just having classes on a Zoom, that might be a great initiative, mm-hmm. but there's a reason why my mom feels like she can't participate. and has nothing to do with the fact that whether I'm good or not at my class, it's because a lot of folks, the way the fitness industry is marketed, people feel like they gotta get in shape before they go to the gym, right? right? They gotta get ready to be in a class. It's not really, curated in a way that is inviting. It's more like this is the standard and you either fall in line with that or this ain't for you. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to create an environment and a culture that was more inviting to people right. by really speaking to them and their needs and meeting them where they are instead of being like, you need to get like this. And if you can't, fuck out of here. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I agree with that, man, because you know I've been into fitness since I was a teenager. You know, I couldn't tell, bro. Yeah. I couldn't tell. <laughs> you got me with that one. <laughs> the shorter workout, I don't know. Right. But yeah, it was like, um, so say when people talk to me about it and they ask me questions, even if like someone doesn't know me, they ask me like, oh, where you went to a sport? You know, right. did you play sports? I'm like, I never played a sport in high school at right. all. Right. So it's like almost taboo mm-hmm. for a black person to just be fit and healthy. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it would like piss me off. But then I was like... I mean, it's kind of like I could understand the ignorance. Yeah. You know, like there's like, it's either you're into pro bodybuilding or a sport or something, but right. for you to just be actively healthy and never play the sport, it's like, you know, what's up? Yeah. I even have a friend that um that was a, in the, and he's retired NFL, right? Right. And so I was just joking with him about working out and he was like, bro, what am I, what do I need to work out for? I don't mm-hmm. need muscles. Right. So it's like, to me, I feel like now you're bringing in you know, the the health aspect, like heart disease, you know, all of these health conditions, et cetera. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's more than just looking a certain way. It's more than an aesthetic. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I have to like deal with that a lot with people because they'll see me and they'll be like, you know, how much do you lift or what right. you doing? How big you going to get? Or da-da. I'm like, right. look, man, I just do this because, you know, not to put any fear into myself, but it's like, my grandfather died at 50 right. from heart failure. Right. You know, and I have children. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, and my auntie, she told me, she was like, look, man, you know, you got to take care of your health because our family doesn't have the best health history. Right. And while my grandfather died, you know, my grandmother was in the hospital battling leukemia. Right. And at his funeral, a nurse had to push her, you know, and, you know, she saw him and they took her right back out. Yeah. She was on her deathbed. Right. You know, a, you know, it's like, it's real. And yeah. I wish that like a lot more of our people will know that it's like, it's damn, it is life or death. Right. You know? And I want to say kudos to you, bro, for like pushing that message out and letting them know that it's like, it's bigger than what you think it is. Like yeah. Militant grind, you know, it's about physical, mental, and spiritual. Yeah. You know, all those three things really play a key part into our lives. And we really need to start taking it serious. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's huge because, like, I think about 
like I have three older sisters, all of them are moms, and every last one of them dealt with, you know, issues pertaining to like miscarriages and like, you know, maternal health like issues. Mm -hmm. And I would say that like, I didn't realize this at the time, but just did a little research. And like, I learned that like, as a black woman, you're like over, I think it's like 55% more likely to experience like infant mortality as it pertains to like your maternity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a wild number. Like think about that. Like yeah. you or your kid gonna die. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. And it's it's more than likely gonna happen right. just based off the color of your skin. Right. And it's like stuff like that, when you think about it, like how that impacts like a family, right? Mm-hmm. Cause like if that woman's carrying a child, somebody put it there. Right. You know what I mean? Likely, right? So it's like that, 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 that entire ecosystem is now impacted. When you think about like like you mentioned, right? Like your grandfather, like he has children, they have children, right? At 50 years old, it's like, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody because at 50, I'm really supposed to be able to like still kick it with y'all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a lot of more Christmases and holidays that we're supposed to spend together. Well, at least so, 25. Or right. And it's like, <laughs> right. So yeah. it's like, if you think about it from that lens, it's like, man, if if we're essentially normalizing the idea that movement is the away the way to either cure, reverse. And or like just avoid kind of like having to deal with like heart disease, mm-hmm. then we should think more broadly about our relationship with movement and normalize it and not just limit it to having dumbbells yeah. and or being in the gym. It's like, nah, that might be being going for a run and jogging through Inglewood. That mm-hmm. might be on rollerblades. That like I used to make fun of my older brother. Like he's older than me. When I was a kid, he was the only kid in, in the neighborhood with a skateboard. I was like, "Bro, what are you doing?" Like yeah. we hoop around here. This is Coney Island, but he was he lived in Georgia. He would come up for the summers. And I, as an adult now, I'm like, "Man, skateboard, rollerblade. I don't care if you play hockey. Like mm-hmm. it ain't even gotta be a sport. Go play tag. Go for a walk. Go climb. Just go go walk. Follow like, next. Culver City steps. I don't care. Yeah. But you having just a sustainable and accessible relationship with movement, mm-hmm. it could be put on a plot." podcast or a playlist and going for a walk down Slauson or whatever it is. Yeah. Like as long as you're able to tap into something that's gonna help you move, that's really how you elongate your lifespan and don't really cost you nothing but a little bit of time. But right. it's gonna extend the time that you have here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. And I, as long as you have like fun with it, you know? And it don't really matter what the modality yeah. is. Be like it could be, you know, I see a lot of folks talking about like Pilates and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. like, bro, do whatever you enjoy doing surf or that, yeah. Make it happen. Swim. I don't care. Like, yeah. But yeah, man, it, it's it's been a joy really to to learn more about how my industry hasn't been supportive of you know our community, but also at the same time, it's been a pleasure to really build out programming and events and content that really speaks to not just like you know the issues that we deal with and navigate because you know that can really get dark and be very much like overwhelming at times mm-hmm. that could be a lot to process mm-hmm. but in terms of like celebrating it yeah. like one of the reasons why i was really happy about fit for us is because it was really an opportunity to like to talk about the positive wins and the positive stories and the life life-changing impacts that people are having on folks in the community it's like you know i think about our community bro like trainers coaches instructors you know, Reiki instructors, doulas, midwives, OBGYNs, y'all have just, black ones have just as much of an impact in our community as, you know, pastors. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like teachers, yeah. right? Like it's, it's huge the impact you can have on people's lives. Barbers, hist, beauticians, makeup artists, right? Yeah. So it's like, so as much as we, we realize that these people are important, it's really important to like normalize just quality health practices, but in a way that is going to be inviting to people and not like, making them feel insecure or like calling them out. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know it's funny, man. Like, I really hate to say this, but I get a joy from watching fat people work out. Come on, I swear to God, bro. Because like, I just know how much determination it takes for them. Like, they're starting at a point where it's like it's gonna take them a hell of a long time oh, to I get be where say. they need to be. I get what you're saying, and the mental toughness that they have to endure Heard just you. to be in there. Right, right, right. When you like, you know, 250 pounds, you just in there, <gasps> right. you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Versus like somebody that's like, oh, I always worked out. Like, I just like admire that that's, because I just I know. See, look. The way, you know what I'm saying? The way you put it the first time, it sounds way different than what you just said. I yeah, guess I have to do yeah, it. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, but no. yeah, but it's like. That makes sense. You know, but because, well, you do have to break it down after you say it no matter what. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's like, you know, I'm just like, wow, I know this person is like, you know, years away. Right. But as long as they're consistent, you know, and I feel like that's what messes people up. Right. It's because they don't think that it takes a hell of a lot of consistency right. to be in shape. But then, like, forget about being in shape. Just going back to what you said, you just need to move, period, just to be healthy. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I actually, and this is not, it's not really a pushback, but I think I, what I've learned over the years is that a lot of times people's like size and or their their body composition, mm -hmm. you know, some of that, is, a lot of it is genetic, bro. Like, mm -hmm. a, like I, here's a good example. Like, I've always had abs. I can never not have abs. I've been 250 pounds. And I've been 185 pounds. You were 250? I was 250, like, in college. Like, mm -hmm. before y'all met me when I was, like, still playing, mm -hmm. I was two, I, I was a linebacker. I was two, 246. Oh, you were playing football. I'm going to round up and just say 250 because why not? Wow. Um, I earned, you know, that four pounds that I never had. Anyways, um, but, you know, I always had a level of physique. Mm -hmm. When I look at my grandfather, my both of them, when I look at my dad and his brothers, and I look at my uncles, these men not, aren't really active. Right. Right. But I, as I've aged, have seen my body like start to hold on to more mass. Yeah. It's part of the reason why like I gotta move around the way I do. Cause I think naturally in my family, like we just we all got wagons. We just some thick people. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't think I don't think that's a bad thing. But yeah. it's like you don't hear enough people in my industry talk about it that way. Mm -hmm. And also what you don't hear, and I, I don't mind saying this because it's the truth, but you know, there have been amazing individuals throughout our history, right? When I say history, I mean like black history, who were considered plus size and they were absolutely like life-changing, world-changing leaders and amazing humans. Mm -hmm. And like, they didn't fit into this stereotypical lens of what is like, this Europe, European like standard of beauty, right? Like Martin Luther King was a plus size person. Yeah. Uh, Nina Simone, Toni Morrison, Bell Hooks, um, I'm trying to think, Andre Talley, the fashion like icon who passed, like I think it was last year. Yeah. Like there have been amazing people within our history who weren't necessarily like Billy Blanks or Sean T. You know what I mean? And it's like, I think sometimes society will like, use language or talk about people who are plus size in a way that makes them seem like they invalid because of their weight. Like they're not worthy of respect or dignity because they look different. Yeah. And I think like the reality that I recognize is that like my sisters, all three of them are considered plus size women right now. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so how would I feel if somebody walked up to one of them in the street or when they was at the gym and was like, oh, look at that fat 
insert word, right? Like, look at that big whatever, right? Like, that's what, that's happening more and more. It is, it is, and I, and, I, and I think that's part of the problem, right? Because yeah. it's like, like people oftentimes will look at someone's external like presentation and separate that from the fact that that's actually a person. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and I, if I'm being fair, I think I recognize this because I've done that before, and I think after you fuck up. And I say fuck up because I felt bad about it. But after you learn something, you're like, you know what, fam? I'm a, if I can, if I can shift my my thinking in terms of how I identify with people, now I can shift my behavior in terms of how I'm treating people. Mm-hmm. And that's really how you build community, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's about understanding that there's a person attached to this experience. There's a person attached to this thing that I'm identifying and labeling as something. And when I look past that and just try to connect with the person. Now I just realized that, you know what, dog? Like, it don't really matter. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because if I'm being fair, you know, I'm fortunate enough that, like, I'm able-bodied and that I have, you know, a certain relationship with movement and that my health is a certain place. But, you know, like I said, there, there, there are people, my, my grand, both my grandparents were plus-size folks, and they passed because of COVID at 96, both of them. Damn. You know what I'm saying? I hope I live to make it to 96. Right. The way I be running around... Jumping off of shit, climbing up and down, but like, it, it is these these oppressive systems that we navigate. When I say systems, I mean like education, you know, like the economy. I mean, uh, healthcare, right? Like, it don't really care. Like, you could. Be, there are people out here who are fit bodies who live with depression. Right. You know what I'm saying? There are right. people out here who got abs who are like might be, you know, navigating an eating disorder of some sort. And then there are people out here who are plus size, happy as fuck. Right. And I think I want to normalize the conversations that really normalize that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And not to just have somebody look at somebody because they are, you know, a plus size human and be like, you know what? They ain't got their shit together. It's like, to your point, that person could just really be in the process of manifesting a better situation for themselves. And you just happen to catch them on the way to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, those are the kind of conversations I want to normalize because I feel like, you know, I'm not in every gym. And, you know, we're not always in the gym together either. But mm-hmm. when you see the homie in there making it happen, doing their thing, it's like there's a way that you can be supportive of them, you know, and not necessarily like ever really say a word to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Cause I mean, like, cause, you know, I, I started off in the gym during COVID. And I was in there heavy, right? right? And so, you know, it would really get to me when some people will be like, man, you you know, you looking good. You slimming down. You this, you right. that. Right. You know, and that keeps you going. I feel like that's important. Yeah. To like acknowledge people's progress. Right. You that's what, what it's about. And yeah. Show gratitude and all of that because it's hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Listen, dog. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. I got plenty of homies who I know I'm cool with and we don't worked out together. And I promise you, like, 20 minutes in the house working out together, it's very clear, like, oh, you just go to the gym and put your phone on a tripod and do a little something and leave. Yeah. Like, just because, like, I'm trying to tell y'all, man, I'm looking at this camera saying this, it's a lot of folks in my industry who don't really, they just look fit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's it's not really about lifestyle and overall holistic wellness and living my truth. They really just go in there, get their content off. It's really more of a job and an assignment for them than it is a, a true practice of, like, their well-being. So I say that to say, to your point, it's really great to get like affirming words from people when you see them doing their thing because it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's it's probably, it's the hardest thing to do because like you are in control of it. And oftentimes for people, 
being able to navigate their own thoughts and to really cultivate that personal sense of like, I'm going to do this for myself. Right. It's hard, bro. Yeah, because you have nobody pushing you. You have nobody depending on you. That's why they pay me so much money. <laughs> That's right. serious. Like, yeah. no, serious. Like, homeboy for uh, Winston Duke from yeah. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Bro, like, good dude. You know what I mean? But like, somebody's got to be the one to hold you accountable to the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Most people, when they say, I want to do something, what they really say is that like, I would like for this to be done. Right. Eh, however it get done, I just need to get it done. Mm-hmm. And if there's a quick fix to it, most people, they're going to take it. Right. Right? And and it's not about, you know, good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just recognizing that, like, in terms of your holistic, like, well-being mm-hmm. and, like, making that a sustainable relationship for you, it, it takes a level of commitment and sacrifice. Even if we're talking about monetarily, you got to pay for it. Yeah. Like, it it's going to cost you time at mm-hmm. minimum. And we all know just in society, right? Like when you commit a crime, that's the thing that they take away from you. Right. Time. Right. Right. So it's like, you got to, you got to do the most with that while you have the opportunity to do so. And I think the beauty of it is that the outcome of the work that I do gives people an opportunity to extend their time on this earth. Right. You know I mean, like, right. And that's really what it's about. It's just making the most of it. And I feel like, you know, at least in terms of what it, in, in terms of like heart disease, diabetes, maternal health, uh, suicide rates amongst like black men, it's like, yeah, man. We What's don't, the suicide rates amongst black? Men? Uh, I think it's like thirty percent. Oh wow! Black men between the ages of twenty five to like I think forty five. Thirty mm. percent of us, about a third of us, commit suicide. Jeez. And, I, and I think, and I, I think it's like it's closer to it's actually closer to forty. It's like thirty eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's an alarming number. Yeah. When you think about it, it's like well, between those ages, a lot of those men. Incarcerated. A lot of those men, like in terms of uh, education levels, like they're down. So it's like, you know, it's just a lot of pressure there on top of like the social, socioeconomic like issues that homies navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro, it's, it, it get rough out there. I think it's, I'm fortunate enough that like, like you know, you're a parent, you're an adult. I've known you for over ten years, and I would say that like our our friend group is still like here. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, think about how many guys who are not in our group chat who we don't, like, not even that we don't talk to. You can't. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. we all went to school with guys who we know they're not here. Bro, remember when I seen you in Detroit, and as soon as I got there, I found out that my friend died? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Bro, I, I remember that. Like, and I'm like, you know, everybody says, Sherman, hey! And yeah, I'm like, yeah. the text, and I'm like, whoa, hold right. on, what? Right. You know what I'm saying? I remember that, yeah. Yeah, it was. it's crazy, bro. It's like, life is real. Like, I've seen... A guy that I grew up with, like my brother's childhood best friend in the casket on Saturday. Man, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, man, we really got to take life serious, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we never know. I mean, we. I mean, it'll be nice to live until we're 70. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then it's like, you never know when you're going to go. Yeah. So, like, now I'm like, okay, let's move with purpose and be as impactful as we possibly can be. Man. You know? I had a scary situation. It was probably like two weeks ago. Um. Our lead runs on the weekends. So after we do like a 12-mile run, um, my boy, he has like a, a overnight oats brand, right? So I meet up with him. I'm like, I'm FaceTiming him because two of my homegirls who finished the run, we all supposed to meet up together because she's in town from Chicago. She got married that weekend. Mm-hmm. So all of us are like FaceTiming. I'm like, oh, bro, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, like you're playing, like you're running late. Like where you at? We finished the run. Let's go, let's go. So he rushes to meet us. 
We go grab some oatmeal. We bought like his brand from a, a local vendor that has it, a local uh, shop that has it. So we eat oatmeal. We all drinking water. We walking around. We just posted up on the corner. We all just kicking it because we don't get a chance to do this for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, we just linger with your friends because like I don't want to really leave. And yeah. you know, it's gonna be a while since y'all see each other again. So I kid you not, I'm looking at him in his eyes. I'm talking to him, and all of a sudden he just does this, and then he passes out and like falls to the ground in the middle of the street. Like we're right on the corner. He was dehydrated. Oh shit. Now mind you, his brother is probably what like maybe 30, 31, mm-hmm. active, fit. Right, like abs, whatever you want to define as a fit human, that's what he's that's what he is. Works out regularly. He just finished running about 10, 12 miles that day. Mm-hmm. And um, I never forget, I saw his eyes roll back in the back of his head. Right. I'm yelling his name out to get him to like be more alert and like gain his consciousness. And then I'm motioning, I'm yelling at my homegirl, like, yo, call the ambulance. So like he found like he hears me, he's responsive now. He lays there, I'm holding his head to make sure he doesn't hit the ground. I'm just talking to him. And I never forget saying to myself, like, you know, he ended up being okay, mm-hmm. right? Like he was just dehydrated. I made sure he got home safely. He was fine. He got him some electrolytes. He got him some hydration. He got him some fruit, some food. He was good. Um, I checked on him that night, that morning, like he was fine. But I'll never forget, like, in that very moment, I was like, wow, bro. Like, he's got every resource imaginable. Mm-hmm. He's got every thing that you can think of in order to prevent that from happening at his disposal. I even felt guilty because I was like, yo, I was rushing him. Maybe if I had not been rushing him and being a jerk, he would have grabbed some electrolytes and some fuel or something and he'd have been okay. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that like, it don't matter your age. It don't matter, you know, your level of education, your income. The practice of like caring for yourself is down to the minute. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like at any given moment, as you age and as you live your life, like it could be gone. Right, And it's really about the things that you spend your time doing to enable, enable you to have a level of like resiliency against like life. Yeah. And as it happens, but also a level of awareness and access to, to, to hydration, to water, to fucking nutrient dense foods, to therapy, whatever it is mm-hmm. that is going to like contribute to you being able to continue to have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. But like caring for yourself is really like a daily down to the fucking minute, so bro. much time, bro. bro. It's wild, oh right? My God, like you know, okay, I gotta cut the fruits, and then I gotta juice this, and I gotta do. It's like an all day thing, right? You know, but we've been conditioned to be worker bees mm-hmm. and ignore ourselves for income. You right. know what I'm saying? It's like, no, nah, man, grind. Don't get no sleep. Right. Wake up, sleep four right. hours, get up, and like you're killing yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos get eight hours of sleep a night. Right. They probably get more than that. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Cause they have the luxury of having somebody whose job it is to actually just handle like this, these routine, like minimal things. They probably only make a certain level of like major like business decisions in the year. Most yeah. CEOs, bro. You really doing a good job as a leader. You ain't you ain't calling the shots every single day. It's mm-hmm. when you a small business that you really gotta lean in. But yeah. like that level, bro. Yeah, at a real high. But then they like they also learn that in order to operate at a high level, mm-hmm. like your self care has to be in check. Impeccable. Uh, have you read a uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport? No. He talks about how he shadowed like Bill Gates and several other like just like prominent figures within like the world and society. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that he recognized is that they all take either extended like breaks and like moments of isolation from like just everything mm-hmm. or they do that like regularly throughout the day. So it's like from 
this time to this time, no phone, no nothing, just like me and my thoughts. Yeah. Like it's almost like uh, meditation, if you will, mm-hmm. right? But like they have a level of like isolation or mindfulness practice where like it helps them really just center their thoughts and they kind of step away and it makes them more productive. I think the argument though is that like if you're constantly resting and recovering or if you're constantly recovering with the purpose of being more efficient, mm-hmm. it's not it's long-term, that's not actual rest. Right. And too many times, like as entrepreneurs, we conflate recovery and rest. Like rest is just that, it's, it's nothing. Right. It's, just, it's sleep, it's getting your eyes closed, it's not thinking about thinking mm-hmm. about something, you know? Right. Whereas like recovery is just delayed performance opportunities. It's mm-hmm. like, let's, let's recharge enough so that we can get right back to work. Yeah. And I think, something I've had to be very aware of as I've aged and just learned more is that like, I gotta be more diligent about true rest, mm-hmm. like getting a good night's sleep and not just like, yo, I took a nap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I take a little, a little break for the day. Everybody get lunch, but like, am I sleeping enough? It is my sleep a quality amount of sleep. Yeah. Yeah, man. That happened to me yesterday. Um, I wasn't going to go to the gym because I was tired. Like I woke up in the middle of the night cause I was super hungry. Right. So then I get like enough hours of sleep. But then I was like, okay, I'm gonna just sit down on my recliner chair and just rest until like I feel recharged. Mm-hmm. And then I did that and I had like one of the best workouts I've had. In I bet weeks. you did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like my energy was up and all of that. Right. And I've also, um, like a couple of years ago, I was reading a book and they did say that Bill Gates has something called a Think Week, right? Mm-hmm. Where he like takes a break and he <laughs> reads and, you know, recharges and all of that. And so I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Right. So I did that myself um, in March of this year because I was studying to take the project management professional exam and all that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Vegas for a week, stay in the timeshare. It's going to be me. Right. I'm going to order, you know, and they have a full kitchen in there. So I ordered my groceries from Amazon. Like I did not want to leave. I just boarded myself in there by myself. Right. And then when I came back, Everybody was like, you changed. There's something, there's something different about you. Right, right, right. But I feel like I had just like a shift, you know, like yeah. I have to start taking things a lot more serious. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when you're in there by yourself and you're depending only on yourself and your friends are all the way in California, mm-hmm. you really start to like get in tune. Mm-hmm. You know, like nobody could help me right now. Right. Nobody could come pick me up. It's just me. And then when you, when it's just you and you're in that solitude. It's just like a different level of understanding. Right. You know? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times we do need that, especially somebody like me. I believe. Like sometimes I get in the car and I don't even turn on music. Music, yeah. You know, I'm just like, man, I don't want to hear somebody regurgitating their thoughts to me. I just want to get mine clear. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like that's another thing because it's like we're just around so much entertainment. And so much, you know, stimulations. Yeah. You know, a lot of stimuli. We're stimulated consistently every day. As soon as you wake up, get on your phone, advertise it. This, this, this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people wake up, even in the middle of the night, people wake up out their sleep mm-hmm. and go on their phone. You know, oh, what's going on? Did I miss right. something? And right. I'm like, damn, that's a lot of stimulation. Man, there's a uh there's a book called, I think it's called Rest is Resistance. It's by I forget the woman's name, but she's the founder of this um like this initiative called uh, the Nat Ministry. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's basically that's the idea like people should rest more. That's that's like the overall premise of it. And like that rest is like an act of like resistance and like resiliency. It's really powerful stuff. It's really interesting. I think um, I find myself like, to your point, it's like, I remember when COVID hit, you know, 
pre-COVID, I would just get up, you know, five something in the morning, hop on a train, trains be empty. I make my way downtown, go to work. COVID hit and, you know, train shut down, wasn't going to work, everything was virtual. But then when the trains did open back up, I was like, I can't ride those no more because it just got different in New York City. So I started taking Ubers. And what I'm realizing is that, man, like that quiet train ride by myself in the morning was like the perfect amount of like me time every day. Mm-hmm. Like just walking to the train. Like this, it, when I leave my house in the morning, at least it looked like it's still nighttime. You yeah. know, the sun ain't come up yet. Yeah. So I'm going for a walk. It's just me. I got my little hoodie on. I got my headphones on. And it's just like that little 30 minute commute felt like the most replenishing, like mindful, like centering moment I could have all day. Yeah. Now I think for me, that's running. Like sometimes I don't even run with like headphones in. I'll just set a timer on my phone. I'll go out for 30 minutes, then the 30 minutes timer go off and I'll just come back and I'll yeah. give me about an hour. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's really, really beneficial in terms of like centering your thoughts, just being able to have a, a moment of like stillness, whether when I say stillness, I mean like your thoughts are very like linear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're not like all over the place and bouncing over here and yeah. checking this and distracted by that. It's kind of like the moment you can have to just be very like still and centered whether you're moving around or you're just sitting down on the chair with your eyes closed, taking some deep breaths, it can be invaluable. Like, I don't know, bro. It, it, it's it's one of those things I wish I would have discovered sooner, but now that I know it, yeah. it's a practice. It's like, I'm never gonna not do that. You know? Yeah, because you know, we grew up in a society and a community and black culture was like, grind, grind, work, yeah, work. Yeah. You know, yo, come on, man, God, hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, and you from New York, so I already know. Yeah, I, you know? yeah. <laughs> my, my, you know, it's crazy, my pops at the time, I didn't understand it, but he was dealing with like his sobriety journey. And I forget in the crib, he used to have like this room that didn't have any furniture in it. Mm-hmm. It was just a room and it was just a chair, a blanket, some incense, that was it. And I, I never understood like why I couldn't go in there. It didn't make sense to me. But what I learned when I got older is that like when he was having moments where he would want to relapse, he would go in there, he would meditate, his sponsor would come in there with him, talk to him. But like that room was like the bridge that he used to like go over in order to like to remain like clean. Yeah. And I didn't know that for years. I was like, oh, Pop, she was meditating. He was like, yeah, man. Like I used to go in there. I used to like cry. I used to write. I used to just think. But like that was what got me through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's powerful shit. Like just the idea of like, yo, like, you know, the power of the mind is not a joke, bro. Right. Like, it, it really can, you know, like, be a catalyst for good, positive, you know, or or negative and like detrimental things. Mm-hmm. But I think what I love most about that is that like it was normalized for me. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of meditation or just being grounded or being able to like center your thoughts in a in a practice that was gonna like help you be a better version of yourself. Cause my father, him trying to be sober, is him trying to be a better husband. That's him trying to be a better father. Yeah. That's him trying to be a better John, you know what I'm saying? Like my father's name is Johnny. Like that's him trying to be a better him. And I think that like when you have the support of a partner or just like support from people in general who mm-hmm. recognize that like, look, not only is this important to you, but like we're gonna help to like cultivate that. That's really how you begin to change like generational curses. Cause to your point, right? It's like we black men in America, bro, we, we are expected to get the fuck up and work our asses off. Now, whether everyone does that in the same way or not, mm-hmm. not, it ain't really up to me to argue about it. But the reality is that the expectation is that like you a cisgendered, able-bodied, heterosexual dude, and you are expected to go out here and bring back some money. 
Yeah, you know every I mean? day, no matter what. No right. rest, no nothing. And it's like, to, to know that like, that could be true, but also to know that like, hey, we're gonna normalize this idea of like caring for yourself. Because if you're not able to do that, how the fuck are you supposed to be able to like, not just provide for yourself, but provide for anybody? You know what I mean? Like, if you can't care for yourself, dog, like you might as well not even attempt to go out here and do nothing. Because I promise you, yeah. in the long term, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna mess it up. Like you, you're gonna run yourself into. When I say mess it up, I mean like you are going to run yourself into the ground, and yeah. and, and essentially not be any use to like that infrastructure that you're trying to build. You know, it's crazy, bro. Because I've done that like so many times in my life. Like mm -hmm. I will do a four court blitz. I'm talking about staying up at night, waking up on it, on it, on it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just hit a plateau where I'm just like, my body and everything is just so tired yeah. where I wouldn't want to do anything for weeks. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm just physically and mentally exhausted. So I'm like, nah, man, you got to figure out ways to like balance this. You right. know what I'm saying? Cause like, but sometimes you, you know, you can't have a balance, but for me, like say we're working out, right? If I was to not work out for a week, Mm -hmm. it will be hard for me to like go the next week. Like right. if it's not con super consistent right. and I, if I get knocked off, I might be down for like months. You know what I'm saying? Right. But then I had to like remind myself, like, you know, I think I caught COVID a couple of weeks ago. I don't know, but it felt like, <laughs> you know, so I was out for a week, right. but then I had to like, nah, bro, like stay consistent, get back in the gym. You know what I'm saying? Right. Do your thing, you know, cause this is something that you need to do to stay Right. You know, stay afloat. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. And then also I wanted to point out that uh Phil Jackson, the uh coach for the Bulls, you know, yeah, yeah. All that, um, he had the players meditate mm -hmm. and visualize like before every game. Like he went in the locker room with Sage and all that. It's a real thing. You man. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and they were whooping ass. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, I grew up with, you know, militant grind. I grew up in a super militant family. You right. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad was in the military. My grandfather. Right. His family. My brother's active military right now. Sergeant. Right. You know, he's up there. You know what right. I'm saying? So it's like, that's us. So we never really had a chance to, like, even think about self-care. Right. You know what I'm saying? Until it was time to get a haircut. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that was the only black man self care available. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, I'm like, it's it's an interesting message, but it's also a message that a lot of us need to hear and need to know because a lot of high level people what actually doing. do it, and we don't think that they do. Right. You know I, what I'm saying? I promise you. Uh, what's the homeboy name? Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Michael Jordan is getting manicures, bro. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, mm -hmm. like LeBron James is is getting like rubbed on by like a masseuse several yeah, times a week. every day. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. The Rock, yeah. right? Like Winston Duke. Yeah, it's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. like it's a thing, and I think Denzel Washington is a thing. Like, it's it's not Michael B. Jordan. Like these people are, uh, you know, taken care of, and I think the idea of of being a leader and of being powerful, of being you know, just a quality person and someone who is, you know, highly successful shouldn't be, you know, separated from the idea of like taking care of yourself, taking mm -hmm. care of yourself. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you don't, you don't get that far by just being smart, lucky and working hard. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. you got it's, it's a long game that you got to play and, and to play the long game. It's about, it's a marathon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a marathon. Like even, you know, I'd be the first one to tell people like, when I work out, 
now, like I don't. It's not a day of the week where I work out and I'm I'm doing ninety percent, eighty percent. I'm usually training. Me and Jim, bro. I'm I'm Mister Five and a Half to Seven and a Half. That's what, on a regular basis, like that. In, in terms of like my effort, yeah. Oh, for real? Yeah. Because here's the thing: it's like my heaviest deadlift in college is probably like six fifty, something like that. Mm-hmm. My heaviest back squat probably like four, not nah, like five something. Heaviest bench press probably like four twenty, four fifteen. I ain't never gonna be that strong again. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not. But also, like, I don't need to be. I'm not, like, an athlete. I don't have, like, 200, 300-pound people, like, running at me. Right, right. It's just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But on top of that, it's just, like, in order for your body to have an extended lifespan, it has to have the capability to come back the next day, the next day. You go into the gym, let's say, five days a week, or even three days a week. Every day you go in there, you're beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. You're not actually giving yourself the opportunity to recover. It's like paying a lot in taxes. Yeah. Right? Like... If I don't know the way to get these things written off, yeah, I'm making a lot, but I'm paying for it, mm-hmm. right? Your body's the same way. Mm-hmm. You only get one of them. Yeah. So if you put too much stress on your joints to the point where, like, you know, now you have chronic pain when you're not even lifting. Like, my arm, my elbow hurt to bend, and I don't even have a pen. I'm not trying to bend. I'm not trying yeah. to do nothing. It's like that, that that happens more and more as you age. Yeah, it's like my knees right now. Right. I'm like wanting this shit. Right. <laughs> my, so like I bend over to grab a pen. I'm like, woo. Oh yeah, my exactly. God, exactly. Know? So it's like, I think we've been to your point, like this idea of grind, grind, grind. We've been conditioned to think that every time we go into the gym, mm-hmm. every day we gotta lift like it's all or nothing. Yeah. In reality, it's like actually, I would say in a in a in a month, I probably touch like a one rep max or like failure even, like let's say like an amber, like as many reps as possible. Mm-hmm. I probably do that once a month. Uh-huh. Like once a month, there's a day where I do that. Mm-hmm. Every other day, bro, I promise you. Now, I play around with like tempos and eccentrics and concentrics and like, you know, time under tension and things of that nature. Um, I'll play around with different like angles in terms of how I train a muscle. But in terms of like the overall effort that I'm expending, you know, when I'm in the gym, yeah, bro, I'm not hitting more than 75%. Most days. That's crazy. Like, um, so on Sunday, one of my partners, it's an IFBB pro, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do chess. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go in and we're going to do chess together. So I'm right. like, hell yeah, man. Right. I'm about to crush it with him. <laughs> Bro, we did like lightweight, you know, time under tension, squeeze the blood into the muscle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, it, you know, it was cool. And then like, he was like, all right, man, we're done. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, that wasn't even, you know? And then he had to check me. He was like, hey, look, man, I could lift more than anybody in this fucking gym. Yeah. You know, he was like, in my face, like, don't play with me. Right. You know, I know what's going on. We're, we're good. We right. pump blood into the muscle. So you need That's to do. all we needed. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, man, I damn near want to keep going because I want to feel <laughs> that pain. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I chase. I chase that pain. You right. know what I'm saying? But I was like, but that's just me though. Right. You know, like I'm trying to really drill it, but I just do high reps. Right. But I like, I'm like, wow, like I just didn't know there was like any other kind of way. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? No, there really is. I think the the idea, what people don't understand is that like the reality is that all training should be centered towards or around having the adaptation. That adaptation is like the what we're trying to change, what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Right. But how you get there varies right? The industry that we're in, and most people, because they are 
essentially byproducts of how the industry markets things, right? Or what they've been told by somebody else that bought into that marketing. Yeah. Is that like the only adaptation is to your point, like hard, mm -hmm. hurt. Like yeah. no, what did he say? No pain, no gain. Right. And in reality, nah, bro, as you age, the more pain, I promise you the less gain. Right. Right. Like right. because ultimately, right, like as I age, if I ever start to lift in a way where now I feel pain and now I can't play with my kids a certain way. I don't even have kids, but let's say I, one day I do, right? I, I want to do something with my lady in the bedroom and I, I can't because my back messed up, right? It's like- Shit, that'd be me with triceps. Right, like, like you got to hold yourself up in them triceps. <laughs> you stupid. You stupid. Them triceps be burning. You're like, ooh, baby, I don't know if I can do it no more. I'll, I'll hit you with this little elbow on the back. Right, like, hold on, on, let me- man, Make this happen real quick. Yeah, it's right. like, you got you to gotta yeah. think about these things. And it's like, the reality is, is that yeah, you, you really want to kind of unlearn your relationship with your body, with fitness, with, with health as you age, because the chances are that when you were younger and you were learning it, it was rooted in something that wasn't connected to lifestyle and you yeah. just having like an overall like well practice. It was rooted in like competitive sports. It was rooted in like this idea of like just toxic fitness culture, which is like beat yourself into the ground. You got to earn the right to come back. You got to work hard every day. It's like, nah, bro. The, sm Man. the smart people in the world work smart. They don't work hard. You want to know what's funny, bro? Because I just watched this whole docuseries about the Florida Gators team when yeah. Tim Tebow was on the team. Right. And how hard the coaches worked. Those pushing them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They won championships. Yeah. But they didn't do shit, shit in the NFL. You know, and I was like, maybe it's because they worked so hard in college that they got like burnt out. Yes. You know, because you would think like he won the Heisman. He, you know, he they didn't even have a statue of him. Bruh. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy. And I didn't even know that Tim Tebow was like, I'm not into sports at all. Right. So I had no idea that Tim Tebow was like the man in college like yeah. that. All I heard, like I heard about people clowning them. Talking about he's super Christian and he in the NFL. Yeah. That's the only thing that I knew. Right, 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 so I'm watching this and I'm like, what? Nah, Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow was bigger than Cam Newton. Tim Tebow was yeah. in college, Tim Tebow was white Jesus. Come like on, bro. Tim Tebow was like that guy. Yeah. And you were playing at the time he was playing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Tim Tebow was was it. Yeah. Like he's older than me. But like Tim Tebow, I think I was a freshman. Or I was in, I was either a senior high school or I was a freshman when he was like like yeah. won the Heisman, it was like a big deal. I was either right in high school or I was like a freshman in, in college. But I vividly remember Tim Tebow was like the guy, bro. And to that point, I'm, I'm glad to hear you noticed that because that doc does a real good, a really good job of showing you like, hey, for a slither in time in the world, mm -hmm. or you know, in time, these this team with regards to this sport right. was as good as it gets, mm -hmm. and this is what it cost them all. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, they, they, hey, look, they had right. an amazing from the age of 19 to about 21. Mm -hmm. Couldn't be untouchable. Yeah. But for the rest of them lives after that, like, now we're to get them. That was a fire documentary, bro. It was good. Like, was good. and then it, it got so intense that the coach even quit. Mm hmm. You know, and he quit when he was like, you know, what they would say is prime. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it was too much. He said, I had to take pills in order to sleep. I had to do this. I, had to, I just couldn't do it anymore. And then after that, he didn't really do much. Bruh, he he went, got cut. He went, um, I want to say, Urban Meyer ended up going to Ohio State eventually. After he left Ohio State, 
he oh, went. he won out Ohio State. He did. Right? He did. But, but then, he yeah. went to the Jaguars, mm-hmm. and they fired him after once. He didn't even make it through a whole season. Yeah, like it was it was a joke. But to that point, it's like because in his brain, he thought, "Yeah, I treat these kids like this. Right. I, I could treat these young poor black kids from the inner city who ain't never been around nothing like this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I get to the pros, and I got adults, I got grown men who are millionaires. I can't talk to them like this. I can't treat them like this. It's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. And um. I thought it was. I thought it was a great doc. But to your point, yeah, dog. Like, it's a fallacy to think that like the way your body. You got to look at it in context. Like when you was out here doing, when you were working out and taking good care of yourself. You know, when you're young and you do it, you got youth on your side, so you feel like you're invincible. Yeah. When you get older, you got responsibilities, and you really got like your life is your life, and it's only gonna change if you decide to like invest time into it. But then you got to think about like for all the efforts you put into being at the gym, it's like, is this actually going to afford me a way of living that I'm going to be able to like lean into and benefit from? Mm-hmm. And ain't nothing good about being in pain. Ain't nothing good about being hurt. You right. know what I'm saying? Like right. feel a little burn in the gym. Cool. But when I leave the gym, I should feel good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm not feeling good when I leave the gym, I probably need to evaluate and look at what I'm doing when I'm in the gym. Yeah, man. There was a bodybuilder that died by doing a squat. Like, yeah, was, I saw it. Yeah, did yeah. you see? I did not. Was, did you see that from video? Not. It was scary. I, I saw like the Bro, beginning of it. Was I was like, like his cool. neck just went clang. I'm like, oh, yeah. wow. But, you know, the culture in fitness now is like who could do the most weight? Right. Who could do this? Who could do that? And it's I feel like it's more tainted than what it has ever, ever been, been, ever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there's people that juice that try to be like, you know, now it's like a battle between the people that do steroids right. that say that they're natural and they're really not because right. they're trying to sell a product. Product, product, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm excited about like for us festival. Because mm-hmm. it's like it's our opportunity to provide programming and ex- experiences that really like center not just like the work of black health practitioners mm-hmm. but really normalize the perspective that I think a lot of people are like missing, right? Like the reality is, is that my industry is trying to sell you a product or a service at yeah. all times. Yeah. To your point, it's like, there's this hold back and forth about like who's natural, who's not natural, who does this to their body and who gets surgery. And, ah, ah, ah. and it's like, bro, everybody, everybody doing something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. for the most part. And it's like, you would, but you as a consumer, you as a, a non-practitioner and just a consumer of marketing, mm-hmm. right? You're not thinking that. Right. You're thinking, oh, Sherm got abs. Sherm is commercial. Sherm is drinking this thing. If mm-hmm. I drink this thing, I'm going to get abs like Sherman. Yeah. You don't know that Sherman had abs since he was five. Yeah. Sherman had abs whether he was depressed, mm-hmm. whether he was you know healthy and having a healthy lifestyle, whether or not. Sherman wake up, he smoked cigarettes. Sherman got yeah. really bad lungs. Don't right, matter. Right. Sherman got abs. Right. We got some makeup on Sherman. We got some really good lighting. We got a great camera. We got a little, uh, little script for him to read. Mm-hmm. And this product, it tastes real good. So you know what? We're going to take Sherman's shirt off, put this product in his hand. He's going to sip it. He's going to smile. He got a nice smile. He got white teeth. And we're going to make some money. Yeah. And the reality is, is that like that, that mindset, that strategy works. Yeah. Like there are, you know, we have clients and, you know, we have a vetting process about like the, the brands that we work with. But I've set in on strategy calls, like feeler calls. It's like a check-in. Like get on a call with a client and it's just like a feeler. And they'll get on the call and be like, so we really want to target diverse communities with our products. Like that's the language they speak. Mm-hmm. That's code for we want to sell our shit to black people. Mm-hmm. How we do it. You know what I mean? And it's like the people asking that question oftentimes don't even look like me, bro. 
Yeah. They don't even have a level of connection. And even if they do look like me, mm-hmm. is there a connection in their language and understanding around how to market services and products to a community intentional and thoughtful and really connected and representative of that community's experiences in an intentional way, the way that mine are, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes, it's a no. You know what I'm saying? It's like the people who highlight and exist in an industry oftentimes aren't the ones who narrate around how that industry is marketing to the consumer, mm-hmm. right? Because if it was, and even if it does, doesn't mean that they have that consumer's best interest at heart, right? Right. It's the reason why, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you ain't never hear really like Equinox, shout out Black History Month. Nah, hell no. You know what I mean? Because like, I mean, that's you know, they target for consumers. Us, it's hard for a lot of us to afford, afford that membership. Right. So they have to target a different type of market. Right. You know? It's but like, then it's like, I mean, I'm, you know, everybody complains about Equinox prices. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, why even waste your time trying to target the black community? Right. It's like, <laughs> this last time you heard it. I mean, don't get me wrong. They, they recently started to, but they started to because we put a lot of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Like when, 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 you know, 2020 happened and there was a lot of protests. Like we, we really like leaned into them and called them out in a very like, you know, I would say like a way that, you know what I'm saying? Which is very loud and transparent and like visible. And they, you know, they took notice of it. But I say that to say like, it's the reason why, you know, a number of brands kind of like shy away from Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, we gotta, we gotta narrate around this moment to this community and we really don't have much in touch in common or really know how to speak that language, right? right? And it's like, it's a challenge. So I think like for me, it's the reason why I get really excited about For Us Festival, because it's like, that is an opportunity for us as an agency and a community to really like create programming and an event and experience that is not just gonna be like, yo, come buy this product. Right. Come like, some, yo, go get these services. It's like, nah, like come catch a vibe and know that like, you're going to learn something. You're going to unlearn something. Mm-hmm. And you're going to feel inspired when you leave here because you really got a chance to connect with my my industry in a way that makes you feel seen and not makes you feel like you got to get your shit together to be here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Because right. that's that's currently what my industry is. It's like, oh, you got to get in shape before you come to my gym. Yeah, you can't so, come in here looking crazy. It's a lot of right? shaming in the fitness industry, bro. Yeah, it's trash. You know, it's it's pretty bad because especially when it, like somebody will look at me like, oh, you're out of shape. I'll be like, what the fuck? For real? Right. Compared to, you know, Joe Blow on the street. Like, right. oh, well, you know, I'm like, you know, they're just on a different type of level. Right. But then like somebody could look at anybody in a disfavor kind of way, no matter who they are. Exactly. Because I had somebody look at, you know, guys that was like super cut, ripped. Like, oh, I don't want to look like that. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like we just got to make everybody comfortable, make them be themselves, and like, look, as long as you're moving, like you said earlier, you right. want something. That's all that matters. That's really it. You know, play basketball, play t- tennis is a motherfucker too, boy. Oh my god! Shout out to Coco Golf. <laughs> yeah, tennis tennis is a vibe. Tennis yeah. is a vibe. Nah, but you're absolutely right, dog. It's like whatever it is that you find joy doing, man. It could be a dance class. It could be turning on. Uh, I don't even know if BT shows videos anymore, but it could be. <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean, it could be playing your favorite song in the crib and just dancing. Yeah, you know what I mean, like it really, it could really be that simple. But it's like, as long as you have a positive relationship with movement and it's a successful, sustainable man, just lean into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, lean into it. And if and if if it's rooted in the sports, man, whatever the, is the catalyst to get you into it, I really don't care. Right. As long as it's something that you can really lean into and continue to scale and progress, man, that's really how you're going to see and experience joy in a sustainable way. Right. And so, when's the next event? October twenty first, uh, in LA. We'll, so we'll, shout out, 
it's gonna be at the uh, at Naval, which is downtown. Mm -hmm. um, October twenty first. That's a Saturday. Um, it's gonna be at Naval. Uh, you can check out all the information of the lineup that's gonna be there. I don't want to say too much, but we got some really big name DJs and uh, uh, creative directors uh, and other folks who I'm excited to have and share that stage with. But also at the same time, we're centering a lot of local and LA-based uh, health and wellness practitioners who are providing and narrating and providing uh, conversations, panels, and workshops that really center maternal health uh, and or uh, mental health uh, conversations and panels. So I think it'd be great. Um, I think a lot of folks would benefit from it. And it's just going to be a good time. We're going to have a lot of vendors there, a lot of different uh, brands, artists, and creators as a, in general uh, really just there to have a good time. So yeah, October 21st uh, at Naval, which is downtown LA, you can check it out on forusfestival.com. Man, I wish I could be there. You just had to have it on my daughter's fifth birthday. Yeah, you know what, man? Like, can you change the date, please? We gonna send her a nice little birthday gift. <laughs> I promise, we gonna hold it down. You I'm like, man, down. you coming out here, bro? <laughs> when you coming out here, October 21st? I'm like, oh, like, God. Damn. You know what, I will, I will be out here earlier. Uh -huh. So we could probably like kick it and hang out beforehand. Like yeah. I'll probably get out here probably on like the, the, like the 19th, 18th, something like that. For sure, bro, for sure, man. And I have, um, in closing, I have a question for you. Shoot. So when all said and done, you know, when you leave this earth, mm -hmm. what would you like to leave behind? Like what would your legacy be? Heart disease. I think if the percentage, I can decrease it by about, I think in my lifetime, probably what, another like 15, 20%. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm talking about like the disproportionate number of just the, the health disparity as it pertains to heart disease and the disproportionate number of black and brown folks who are, it's the, like the cause of death. I feel like if I can positively impact that number, I, I, would, I would really, really, really feel good about it. I really, really feel, will feel good about it. I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. It's like, that's what my industry does. That's what my calling is, is to help people. And I think, you know, above all those things, I want to tell stories in a way that impact people's behaviors. Man, that's, and, that's amazing. Yeah, so for me, it'd be hard to use. I know it's crazy because like, like, you know, 20 years ago, I probably would say, oh, I want to be like an MVP, da, da, da. I remember there was a point in time I played, oh, I want to be like the greatest banker ever, da, 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 da. And it's just like, Nah, dog. I just want to help people. And I could change the world that way. And I feel really good about it. So yeah, I would say, yeah, heart disease. If I could, if I could, shit, cure that bitch. <laughs> if I cure heart disease, dog. Mad scientist. Right, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if, I could, if I could put it in a, uh, you know, not a pill, but I mean, that'd be crazy. But no, if, I, if we can provide, I think if we can impact people's behaviors to the point where we are changing outcomes and we can provide data to support that, that our events our strategies, our programming, the universe that we cultivate with Fit For Us, whether it be an app, whether it be classes, whether it be experiences, whether it be um, you know, access to quality practitioners, regardless of what city and state you're in. Um, if we can create a universe where black and brown folks can tap into it in any and every way possible and get quality you know, support and change of outcomes for like a, in a better way, Mm -hmm. Um, or for the positive, yeah. So for me, like the 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 thing that I would look to to evaluate that is heart disease. Man, that's amazing, bro. Yeah. And I really believe that you can do it. Oh man, I appreciate it. 
I'm getting it done. Yeah, you're getting it done. I'm getting it done. Step by step, bro. Hey, man, I appreciate you for coming out. Nah, no problem. Travel all the way from New York City. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's just to be on the podcast, but whatever. We it here, don't matter. You know we saying? here, man. We, yeah, we. we it's all that matters. You know, man. Much love to you, bro. I like my. You know, you. You know, we get we, we talk every. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. You my, my boy. You <laughs> right, know what I'm right, saying? Right. So yeah, it's it's nothing short about this. You right, know what I mean? Right. So I appreciate you again, bro, for taking your sweet, you know, luxurious, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you know the the time. You know what I'm saying? Your time is valuable, man. Yeah. You know, you could be training Denzel right now, but you're here with me. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate that, bro. I can't put any more emphasis on that, bro. Like, right, I really appreciate you for coming down here and doing this, man. Nah, no problem, man. All right, bro. Much love, my brother. Mm. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, bro. You too.